Amen. The theme of separation is one that runs throughout the pages of Scripture, and particularly when we turn to the portions of Scripture that are, that are to do with the harvest and uh, those portions of Scripture that typically maybe we would consider uh, at this time of year and at a service like this. The theme of separation is certainly a very strong theme in those passages and portions of Scripture. When Christ was speaking of his coming again to the world, he said in Luke 17 and the verse 36, how two men shall be in the field, the one shall be taken, and the other left. He was speaking about a separation. What about the words of John the Baptist as he prepared the way of the Lord? As he spoke in the wilderness, he said about Christ in Matthew 3, and the first twelve whose fan is in his hand, and he will truly purge his floor and gather his wheat into the garner, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. And again, that harvest illustration, that farming theme, and the great theme of separation. What would happen? The harvest would be brought to the threshing floor. A great separation would take place. The wheat would be separated from the chaff, and that chaff would be burned with that unquenchable fire. And there's this great theme of separation. And as we come to our reading this evening in Matthew chapter 13, and this parable that our Lord and Saviour taught here in the words that have been read tonight, he's dealing again with this theme of coming separation. And he's using the theme of the harvest and the picture of farming and those things that happen surrounding those times to illustrate this great separation that will take place. We've already had our minds drawn today to the harvest time. We think about the reaping of what has been sown, the good things that the Lord has provided. We thank him for his bountiful provision. And with that in mind, again, we want to come and consider this theme of separation within the harvest tonight and the portion we have before us. The wonderful thing, as our brother said about this parable, indeed many of the parables that Christ has taught, is that not only do we have the parable recorded for us as Christ taught it and as he, uh, as he uh, preached it to those that were in earshot, but we also have the privilege of actually reading Christ's explanation. You see, we're left with no uncertainty. We're not left with any doubt or ambiguity about what actually Christ meant as he was teaching here in the form of the parable. In verses 24 to 30, we have uh, this para- uh, parable. And just to paraphrase it very uh, briefly, Christ told a parable of a man who went out. He sowed the field, uh, just like what our farmers do here every day, and even as we thought about in Psalm 126 this morning. But as that man went out, as he sowed the seed while he slept, his enemy came, and Christ said that he came and sowed tares among the wheat. Now, tares are a very dangerous weed. They resemble corn when it's young, uh, but they're very damaging. It is not very productive to have the tares in the field when you're trying to grow wheat. But what happened here was that the wheat and the tares, they began to grow up together. The roots became intertwined. It was a field that was not exclusively wheat. It was a field that was not exclusively tares, but they both were growing up together, and it was an unsightly field. In many ways, it was a mess. And so the servants came to that man, and they were concerned, and they asked him, well, do you want us to go out and to pull up the tares in order to save the wheat. But the man, as we will see shortly in his wisdom, he refused. 
He was worried that in the pulling up of the tares that the good wheat would also be destroyed with it and he'd be left with nothing of a crop whatsoever and he just wanted them to grow together. That brings us to what we want to take as our text really this evening, the verse number 30 of this great parable told by Christ. It says there in verse 30, Let both grow together until the harvest. And in the time of harvest I will say to the reapers, Gather ye together first the tares, and bind them in bundles to burn them. But gather the wheat into my barn. And when the day of harvest was to come, then the tares would be gathered up, they were to be bound, and they were to be burnt, and the wheat was to be brought safely into the farmer's barn. And I believe that this parable, whilst there are so many different parts of it we could look at tonight, and we could focus and center our attention on. I believe the parable really focuses there on verse 30. It focuses on that great day of harvest, that day of separation that was to come. That's really the focus point here of the teaching of Christ. And whilst Christ is using the harvest as an illustration, he's talking about things that we would uh, know well physically, we can see with our own eyes, many maybe here have experienced of them themselves, yet Christ is dealing with a greater day. He is dealing with a greater harvest. He is dealing with a greater separation that is to come. A day when the tares and the wheat will be separated for all eternity. Christ goes on to explain that the tares there are the unsaved in verse 38, but the tares are the children of the wicked one. They represent the children of the devil. They represent those that are outside of Christ. They have not been born again by the Spirit of God. The wheat is an illustration of the sea of those that are trusting in Jesus Christ. Verse 38 says the good seed are the children of the kingdom, the kingdom of Christ. It's speaking of those who are saved, those that are depending on Christ as their own and personal Savior. And the children of God are illustrated and pictured here in the wheat. And Christ is saying here that there are these two types of people in the world. There are those that are saved and those that are unsaved. There are those that belong to Jesus Christ and there are those that are yet in their sin. They're not saved. They've rejected Christ. They haven't taken Christ as their own and personal Savior. And these two people, they exist in the world side by side. Christ explains in verse 38 that the field is speaking of the world and how true that is. In our place of work, there are those that are saved and there are those that are unsaved. In our schools, in our colleges, on our street, even in our families and in our homes, there are those that know Christ as their Savior and there are those that don't. Maybe even in the meeting tonight, there are those, of course, that are born again of the Spirit of God. They know Christ as their Savior, but perhaps there's also those here tonight and you're unsaved. You're outside the grace and the mercy of God in terms of his great gift of salvation. And yet the two are side by side. And yet the teaching here is that there's coming a day. There's a day that is on the horizon when the saved and the unsaved will be separated for all eternity. The unsaved will be cast into the unquenchable fire of hell and the saved, God's people, they're going to be ushered and gathered into his barn, the kingdom of heaven, forever and forever. There's going to be a great spiritual harvest. There'll be a day when you stand before God as your judge. 
It will be a great day of separation. I wonder tonight as we think about what we have before us, what camp are you in tonight? What one best describes you this evening? Are you the tear that will be cast from the presence of the Lord? Are you included here in the wheat, a child of God, depending on salvation through Jesus Christ? You're one or the other this evening. Not asking whether you come to church regularly or not, whether you give to charity regularly or not, how religious you might be, how you've been brought up, none of that really matters, but it's whether you're saved or not. What have you done with Christ? How do you stand before God tonight? That's what matters. I want to take first 30 as our text this evening and consider this great harvest of separation. There are four things we want to think about tonight. Notice firstly the surety or the certainty of this harvest. In verse 39, Christ explains this harvest that he's speaking of in the parable to represent or to picture the end of the world. And the word of God time and time again, page after page, chapter after chapter, it reveals to us in no uncertain terms that this world, as we know it tonight, one day will cease to be. It will cease to exist as we know it today. Revelation 21 and the verse 1, of course, the revelation given to John, he says there, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more See, It's a certain thing. This world is passing away. It is a certain thing that this world, as we know it, will cease to exist. There's going to be ushered in a new heaven and a new earth. Old things will pass away. All things will be new. And as part of the events that make up the end time and the end world is the harvest of separation, the judgment. You see, dear friend, this harvest is represented here in the parable we have before us. It's a picture of that judgment that is to come out. It is a picture of the end of this scene of time, this judgment that is certain, this judgment that is a reality, for there's a day and an hour when each one here tonight will stand before God as judge. Hebrews 9, verse 27, tells us well-known words, and as it is appointed unto men once to die, but it doesn't end there, for it says, but after this the judgment. There are false religions around the world tonight, and they teach many different things about what will happen when the world ends, or what will happen when we leave this scene of time, when we pass through the veil of death. Buddhism teaches that we die and we're reincarnated as someone or something else, that we get another go at life. Hinduism teaches that we have a cycle of consecutive lives, and the next life depends on how we've lived our previous life. I read that they believe that we can be reincarnated 52 million times as a plant or an animal before we return to human form. That's what they teach. That's what they believe. The pharaohs of ancient Egypt believed that death was just temporary and they were mummified. Others believe that we enter into some soul sleep. We go into some void in the ground and we cease to exist. And it's just nothing after this life. And we could go on tonight about all the different theories of what will happen when we leave this scene of time. When we cease to live here on earth. But we thank the Lord tonight that there's no need to speculate. We don't need to depend upon the theory of man. We don't need to depend upon some notion or philosophy that has been devised in this scene of time. You see, God's precious word 
tells us that it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. Death is not the end. It's not the end. This life is not all there is. There's an eternity. That's the reality. There's a judgment day for your soul, a judgment day that is sure, judgment day that is certain. Just like this day of harvest that was coming here in this parable was sure and certain, so too is the day of judgment. Think of those words in Genesis 8, in the verse 22, while the earth remaineth, seed time and harvest and cold and heat and summer and winter and day and night shall not cease. Harvest is a constant. It's a surety. It has been promised by God. And it's no coincidence that when speaking of the day of judgment, that Christ used the picture of the harvest, that day that is certain, that day that is sure, because judgment is coming. I present as a warning tonight the truth of Scripture, that you have an appointment with God. Not only an appointment with death, but an appointment before the judgment throne of God. And what will matter in that future day is what you've done with Christ. It will not matter what your background has been. It will not matter what money you have in the bank. It will not matter how many times you have been to church or whether you've done this or that as the church has commanded. But what you've done with Christ, that's what will matter. Have you taken him as your own and personal saviour? Have you trusted in him in this scene of time? Have you repented of your sin and leant upon Christ alone for the salvation of your precious soul? You see, God in his grace and his mercy, he warns us of this coming judgment. He warns us of the certainty of it so that we can be ready. He warns us by his mercy and his grace so that we can make preparation, prepare to meet thy God. We do it by trusting in Christ as our own and personal Savior. I wonder tonight, are you ready for that harvest? Are you ready for the judgment of your soul? Are you ready for that day when you'll stand before God? As your judge, have you made preparation? This harvest was certain. But secondly then, notice here the scope of this harvest. Christ speaks of the field in this parable. In verse 38 he tells us, as we said already, that the field is the world. And so not only is the sowing of the seed in the parable in relation to the entire world, but likewise so is the reaping. This harvest that Christ is speaking about here in the parable, it applies to the entire field. It applies to the entire world. It would be foolish and illogical for a farmer to sow the entire field, to reap a harvest on that entire field, but only to gather in part of the harvest, only to go to part of the field and to ignore the rest. That just wouldn't happen. And so too it is with this future judgment, with this day of harvest and separation. It's not judgment for some. It's not judgment for a certain section of the community. It's not judgment that is reserved for those that have committed the most heinous of crimes, those that are the most notorious of sinners in the community. But it's judgment for all. It doesn't matter who you are, where you come from, what you've done. How you stand in community, what job you have, where you live, what car you drive, your nationality, your religious status, judgment is coming to all. The Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5, in the verse 10, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. We must all stand before God as judge. 
And there's a warning here not only for the unsaved, but there's a solemn warning for the people of God tonight. You see, we get into the mindset sometimes that it doesn't really matter what we do here because we're saved anyway. And we're going to go to heaven and and it doesn't really matter what we do because regardless of it, we're trusting in Christ and we're going to spend eternity in the glory. But we too will be judged for what we've done. Yes, we're safe and secure in Christ. If we're trusting in him for salvation, we can never be lost. But nevertheless, we will be judged for the things we've done in this scene of time. Christ said in Mark 9, 41, For whosoever shall give you a cup of water to drink in my name because you belong to Christ, verily I say unto you, he shall not lose his reward. We will give account to God. Romans 14, 12, so then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. That applies to the child of God. We will stand before God and we will give account of the things we have done and the things we haven't done. Acts 17, 31 says, because he hath appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained. Christ is coming to judge the world. There's no escape. There's none exempt from this day of judgment. But Christ here, as he speaks in this parable about the harvest, which is going to affect the entire field, that representation of the entire world, we're reminded that judgment is coming to all. Why? Because all have fallen into sin. Romans 5.12 tells us, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned, and there is the scope of sin, for that all have sinned. There is none righteous, no, not one. We all fall short of the glory of God. As we stand in our natural state before God, we are wicked, hell-deserving sinners. For the child of God, we thank the Lord tonight that that judgment has fallen upon Christ and Calvary. But if you're not saved, and you pass into God's eternity, If you enter into this harvest of separation without Christ as your own and personal saviour, you're reminded in Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. Physical death, yes, but more than that, an eternal separation from God. Separation from the grace and the mercy of God. Separation from the presence of God. Separation from the offer of the great gift of salvation. An eternity with no hope and no rest. An eternity with no peace and no joy. But an eternal casting into hell forever and forever. There's a judgment that is coming. It's coming to one and to all. Are you ready tonight? The surety of the harvest. The scope of the harvest. But in the third place we see here the sovereign that is over the harvest. In verse 24 we learn of a man who sowed the seed in his field and then... In verse 30 of our text, we learn that this man sent forth his reapers. And those reapers separated the tares and the wheat, and they were used to bring in the harvest. But Christ tells us in verse 37 that this one that he speaks of there is the sower. He's speaking of himself. He that soweth the good seed is the Son of Man. And in this parable, as the sower goes forth into the field, Christ, he is speaking about himself. He is the one. That is the Lord of the harvest. He's the one that sends forth his reapers or his angels. As we see in verse 39. As we speak of this day of separation. 
we think of this future harvest, we have to consider and acknowledge that Christ is sovereign over it all. Christ is the Lord of the harvest. Isn't that what we're told in Matthew 9, 38? Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest. The Lord is the harvest. The Lord is judge of the world. We get a sense of that in Matthew chapter 25. If you're to take time to read that in your own time at home, you will find that the chapter is dealing with the final judgment. It is dealing with those things that are to come. It's dealing really with that subject that we're thinking about tonight, that day of separation, that coming harvest. And we learn there that Christ is at the very center of it all. Christ is the judge. Christ is the Lord of the harvest. In verse 31 we read, When the Son of Man shall come in his glory, and all the holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory. Christ is at the very center. We're told that all nations will be gathered before him. will be separated the one from the other. A great day of separation. Christ is orchestrating it all. He's the one at the very center and the very heart. See, one day you will stand before Jesus Christ as your judge, that Christ that you mock, that Christ that you blaspheme, that Christ that you reject, that Christ that you make little of, that you trample beneath your feet one day, that Christ you will stand before him in judgment. And how important to understand tonight is not your friends you will stand before. It's not your work colleagues. It's not even the church that you will stand before. It's not your banks, not the charities that you give to. You'll not be judged by yourself. You'll not be judged by your family or by those that you love. But you'll be judged by Jesus Christ alone. Many that go through this life, they believe they can do this and that. To merit salvation. Just be as good as I can. Just do the very best that I can do. And one day I will be good enough to get into heaven. And yes we should be doing good things. But they'll never save us. When the world is judging. When we look upon ourselves and we make judgment. Maybe we'll give ourselves a pat on the back. And we'll say well I haven't done too bad. I've given to the poor. I've helped the needy. I've come to church. I've help with the offering in the church and I haven't done too bad and as we judge by our own standards we would all enter into heaven but we will not be judged by the standards of man but by the standard of God himself. We're told in God's word that all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags the very best that we can offer it is nothing in terms of salvation. The judgment of the world, they would say that our good works would earn us salvation. That our good works would gain us peace and reconciliation with God. But not in the eyes of Christ, the one who will judge us. These things are but filthy rags. They will have no relevance whatsoever. But it is what you've done with Christ and what you've done with Christ alone that will matter. And that poses the question to you tonight as the gospel is proclaimed. What have you done with Jesus Christ? Is it the case tonight you're depending on your merit? Is it the case tonight you're depending on your good works? You're depending on your good living? No matter how commendable that may be. It's what you've done with Christ that matters. It's he that will judge your soul. What have you done with the Savior? What have you done... With that man of Calvary. 
For if you've went through this life rejecting him, you will be like these tares, you'll be bound and cast in to the outer darkness of hell for all eternity. You need to make preparation. And that preparation can be made through the Lord of the harvest alone, the Lord Jesus Christ himself, that one who lived a life of perfect obedience, a holy, sinless life, was able to offer himself as that holy, sinless sacrifice before God. That one who bore the wrath of God on behalf of sinners, that one who offered his life a sacrifice so that those who trust in him will be forgiven of their sins, they'll be reconciled to God, they'll be adopted in to the family and the fold of God to be saved for all eternity. Wonder how is it for you tonight, dear friend? What have you done with the Savior? Surety of the harvest, the scope, the harvest, the sovereign over the harvest. One final thing tonight as we think about this harvest of separation, the separation itself that is in the harvest. Look at our text there in verse 30. And particularly the second half of this portion of scripture. Verse number 30. Gather ye together first the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them. But gather the wheat into my barn. Here's the separation. The tares, that injurious weed, that damaging weed, they represent those that are unsaved, those that have rejected Christ. What will happen to them on that day? Well, look at verses 40 to 42. Dear friend, tonight these are very solemn words. Very serious message contained within these couple of verses of Scripture. Verse 40. As therefore the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so shall it be in the end of this world. The Son of Man shall send forth his angels. They shall gather out of his kingdom all things that offend and them which do iniquity and shall cast them into a furnace of fire and uh, there shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. And Christ is no longer speaking in parable here. He's explaining what the parable means. He is explaining what the teaching of the parable is. You see, there's a day coming when what we read off there in verses 40 to 42 will take place. There'll be a great separation. Not with any pleasure tonight we tell those tonight that are without Christ that this is your end, this is your destination. That place prepared for the devil and his angels, that place where we're told there by Christ that there'll be wailing and gnashing of teeth, an awful place. Some time ago in Demurray, I preached on the subject of hell, the most difficult thing that I ever had to preach. What a terrible place it is, but it's a real place. It's a place prepared for those who reject Christ, a place of unending torment, pain and suffering poured out upon the bodies and the souls of those who die in their sin, those represented by the terrors. That fire which is the unquenchable wrath of God, burning for all eternity. And these things were not preached by Christ or by any preacher to scaremonger, but they're a warning to flee from the wrath to come, flee from the danger of eternal hell. Come to Jesus Christ, repent of your sin. Be saved from this eternal end which awaits those outside of Christ. The promise in Acts 16, the verse 31 is, Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou 
shalt be saved. You'll be saved from your sin. You'll be saved from the punishment. You'll be saved from that unquenchable fire that is found in hell. You'll be saved from the wrath of God for all eternity. Look at what it says about the wheat in verse 30. At the very end, it says there, But gather the wheat into my barn. What a beautiful picture we have here of the eternal destination for those who trust in Christ. We're told here they'll be gathered into God's barn. Think about that for a moment. What is a barn? It's a, it's a storehouse. It's a place of safety. It's a place of refuge. It speaks to us of that heavenly city, God's storehouse of eternal blessing for his people. A place of safety and rest. A place of eternal peace and satisfaction. That's the future for the child of God. And it can be your future as well tonight if you come to Jesus Christ. Doesn't matter what you've done. Doesn't matter how sinful you might be. What you've committed. What life you've lived. If you repent of your sin. If you humbly come before Christ and trust in him as your saviour. God will have mercy on your soul. And through Christ God will deliver you from your sin. He'll deliver you from that punishment. You'll be taken off that road that leads to eternal destruction. You'll be placed on that road that leads to this eternal security in heaven itself. You'll be among God's people who'll be gathered into God's barn. You'll be gathered into the kingdom of heaven. And what a day that will be for the child of God. What's a great day of separation. I wonder what it will be for you. There's no in-between. There's no middle ground. There's no third option. There's no alternative than to what Christ has set forth here in this parable. No matter what our background is, even though we're all different in many different walks of life, right across the world we speak different languages, we come from different backgrounds, we have different cultures, we live in different places, and yet at the end of the day there is these two, there's the tares and the wheat. Those that are saved and those that are outside of Christ. Those that will be gathered and brought, ushered into the kingdom of heaven for all eternity. Those that will be cast into the outer darkness of hell forever and forever. Which is it for you tonight? How do you stand before the Lord? Are you ready for the judgment? Are you ready for that day of separation? Come to Christ tonight while you can. We're still in the day of grace. The offer of salvation is still being extended to those outside of Christ. And today you can know Christ as your own and personal Savior, but you must come to him. You must repent of your sin. Turn from the wickedness of your heart and your life. And turn to Jesus Christ alone for the salvation of your precious soul. Oh, I urge you, encourage you tonight in my Savior's name to make preparation, prepare to meet your God. A day is coming, you'll stand before him. The certain day of this day of separation, be ready. Don't leave it too late. Be ready tonight. Come while Christ may still be found. And come and be sure that you're ready for that future harvest. We trust the Lord will bless his word to your hearts this evening. Maybe ask your minister to come.